Hello, my name is Inanna Moon, and I want to welcome you to Cruising in the Light and Shadow. Um, we are back, <laughs> Merlin and I today, um, but uh, back from vacation, really happy to be here, and I really want to dive in. I dangled a hint on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook that we were doing something special. Um, and so my quote today is a little bit instructional because it has to do with this surprise I keep talking about. Um, our souls. So this is a quote from Elijah Hicks, who's a past life regressionist. And he said, our souls take on many lifetimes to explore various themes and lessons. While a person is in a trance, he or she can uncover the details of past life experiences. While visiting a past life, a person can witness events that are relevant to their current life, giving the person a deeper understanding of who they are. The understanding can come in the form of pattern recognition, relationship recognition, and losing the fear of death, among other things. Often a person will feel a sense of relief from visiting another lifetime. We have a very special opportunity here. First, let me reintroduce Merlin, who was um, on the podcast uh, three, three episodes ago. Uh, he is a practitioner of the magical arts, writer of soulful rituals. He is the founder of Celestial, an order of the bards, ovats, and druids here in Southern California. Since the 70s, he has written many rites um, for the eight major holidays, um, or the high holy days <laughs> um, for pagans, um, the various full moons. Uh, he has conducted nearly 400 circles. I consider him a very dear friend. Um, we've had fun putting this together. I think we have anyway, I'll say speak for myself. <laughs> and I am um, honored to have him. He wrote many years ago, a beautiful rite called Alban Elvid. I will let him dive in and explain it. Um, but we have a plan for the next two episodes. You're getting the background for Al Alban Elvid today. And then the next episode, uh, the rite will be performed and all of you can participate in it. So, Merlin, welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be back here. Uh, just a yes. quick note. Uh, the name of the group that we are is Celestial Order of Bards, Ovates, and Druids. Oh, thank and you. And we're not okay. affiliated with Obod in England, but we are great admirers of Obod. Now, Alban right. Elvid, uh, uh, this, this rite is called A Trip to the Spiral Castle, and that relates to the meditation that we'll go through to get into the trance state, ideally, and, uh, and then take off from there and have our experience. Now, but we today we're just going through the background, correct? Yeah. And then the next time will be the meditation experience. Right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. Okay, just your, um, and also um, remembering that you were saying uh, this is a great experiment because you've not done this before on 
a podcast oh, or yeah. it's radio. it's one thing it's one thing to be out under the stars with like-minded souls yes. looking into their <laughs> eyes yes and very different to be in a studio in the morning, <laughs> <laughs> which is where we are right now. Yes. But we'll transcend that. All right. I'll pretend it's late at night in the woods because I've gotten to be part of this ritual. And it's, I think it's so beautiful what can happen for people. So Yay. Oh, take we, it away. <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've performed this rite uh, since about 1990. And it's been refined over time. Every time we do it, we add something or change something or mm-hmm. attempt to tighten it up. It's a long way to go, but uh, <laughs> we've made a start. So we've performed this rite probably for 300 or more people. It's, we don't really keep records. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of folks, and by far the majority of them, have had a past life experience. And the idea of this podcast is to somehow uh, place this whole ritual in an envelope that you can open anytime you want Mm -hmm. and enjoy its benefits. Share it with your friends. Play it late at night. Uh, (laughs) Okay, the most important part of the rite is the visualization that will launch you into the trance state and into the, uh, the mysterious place where the past life regressions all go. Now, for my own self, I like to see my incarnations as folks on a carousel. And I'm standing and watching the carousel go by. And there are all my past lives and some future ones. And whenever I feel so inspired, I can jump onto the carousel and merge with that being, whatever the age or time frame or whatever. Oh, the full text of this rite is available on? Uh, it's going to be on the Cruising in the Light and Shadow uh, website. So just look up. <laughs> if you're listening to this, hopefully you either went to Podbean or you went to iTunes, but you can go to the Podbean site and the, the uh, file will be there. So if you want to print it out, it'll be available for you. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty complicated process. And I recommend a hard copy, mm-hmm. or at least being able to look at it on your screen, because mm-hmm. that'll help. Uh, I encourage folks to look at the right <laughs> before it's enacted, read the background yes. material, uh, and thus be edified and well-prepared. So here's okay. a quote to start things off from the great bard Taliesin, speaking of the spiral castle and the... Uh, trip that one takes to get there. He says, my chair is in care city where no one is afflicted with age or illness. It is surrounded by three circles of fire. To the borders of the city come the ocean's flood. A fruitful fountain flows before it whose liquor is sweeter than the finest wine. Mm. Now, as Jerry mentioned, there's <laughs> there's a really valid reason for getting in touch with one's past lives. I have two names, Inanna and Jerry. <laughs> oh, I, amazing. Don't have to worry about it. It's amazing. Good. The it's mind good. is a... Yeah. Okay. It reaches back. <laughs> the waste is a terrible thing to mind. 
So as you mentioned in your quote, all our fears are splinters of the root fear, the fear of death. And coming to an understanding of life's conclusion is the primary focus of every religion, as far as I can tell. If the physical world is all there is, then this life makes no sense. <sighs> For us to exist and flourish and wink out is an incredibly wasteful way to run a universe, says I. <laughs> now, one of my favorite authors, William G. Gray, writing in an inner look at our Western way, our inner Western way, says that uh, we must see our lives on this infinite plane against a background of infinite timelessness and from which we, as essences, come and to which we return. In truth, there is within us an eternal component. There's something that lives on after these envelopes of flesh are gone. Say yay. Yay. Okay. <laughs> Verily. Now, in the Celtic writ, there's a, a god form, a god hero form named Gwydion, and he's the archetypal enchanter. He's known for being a man who exists alongside the linear progression of time. And from this point, he's able to see its entire length. An underlying truth is conveyed here, which is from a specific magical perspective, call it Gwydion's look. All points in time are accessible from one point, and all points are one point. Now, the aim and design of this rite is to create the magical mindset required to access the wheel, the wheel of incarnation, and gain some knowledge of our having lived before, and thus conquer the root fear and strengthen our belief in our own immortality. That's the acorn of it right there. <laughs> the yeah. nugget of it. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, I have only about another 50 pages of notes, so <laughs> we're good. If I could stop, though, just for a moment oh, sure. to, to allow people to think about this idea of past lives. Um, I've had several people come into sessions um, to talk about dreams that they have had. Or sometimes they've gone, I don't know whether this was a dream or whether it's something that passed through my mind. And what they're often telling me about, um, and I leave it up to people to feel it out, except sometimes it's very clear. The thing they're talking about is not just a dream, but it is a past life. They're talking about... Um, they're usually when there is really a past life that lifetime that dream that vision really truly affects the life they're living now and one of the things i learned there was a period where um, many years ago where i was fascinated by past lives so i i got a hypnotherapist um, we found out because i'd been medit i think i think because i'd been meditating so very long um, I was able to go past life to past life to past life with the hypnotherapist, but I had uh, done shamanic journeys that took me to past lives, druidic journeys um, that took me into past lives, and I came to realize that every lifetime, everything you've done, um, not only everything you've done, everything you've been, everything you 
think you hope to be is right here with you now. And it's a lovely thing if you choose to dive into a past life or two or a few and sift through and see what comes up for you because I believe that it's spirit, your own higher guides, your own higher good um, taking you through and pointing up perhaps something that's needed at this time or it's a memory. It's simply a memory of where you've been and what you've done and who you've been and it's and it comes back to you and it's the joy of bringing it back into your experience that I that I find so enchanting about past life journeying oh yay that's it's been the way for me too so I concur beautiful yeah I'm so glad I'm so glad to do this. This is so exciting. Yay. Please continue. I will. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the rite is, is heavily influenced by Celtic magic and specifically by the Welsh, whom I greatly admire and may in fact have been one of in a past life. <laughs> so the, or this the life. source... <laughs> or this life. <laughs> the source of this rite is a poem... Old Welsh poem, uh, written in the fifth or sixth century, as I understand it, called Praithu Anum, or the Spoils of Anum. Anum being another world, or the other world. Some say it exists simultaneously with this one, but in a slightly shifted dimension. Some say it's heaven. Some say it's the earth itself. Up to you. The poems attributed Taliesin, uh, the great Welsh bard Taliesin. And as far as the poem is concerned, I would rather call it the nature of the other world, with Anum as the lake of spirit from which we merged. That's my view on the matter. So occasionally this collective ethereal place state manifests itself as incarnated human beings, presumably one of which you are. And enacting this rite, as I was hearing Anana say, we ideally remember that we are an extension of the infinite. Finite beings, an extension of the infinite through knowledge of past lives. Say yay. Yay. Okay. So uh, a number of different people have interpreted the poem Praithu Anum, uh, including... Robert Graves, whose version I'm going to read, John Matthews, and a great favorite of mine, Robin Williamson. So here's the poem. And just listen to it obliquely, and it's not necessary to pull meaning out of it. It's uh, really about the voyage of Arthur in the other world. So here we go. Praise to the Lord, supreme ruler of the heavens, who hath extended his dominion to the shore of the world. Complete was the prison of Gwer in Caer Sidi, through the spite of Pwil and Pradere. No one before him went into it. A heavy blue chain firmly held the youth, and for the spoils of Anum, gloomily he sings, until doom shall he continue his lay. Thrice the fullness of Pridwen we went into it, except seven. None return from Kerr City. 
Am I not a candidate for fame to be heard in song? In care paravan, four times revolving. The first word from the cauldron, when was it spoken? By the breath of nine damsels it is gently warmed. Is it not the cauldron of the chief of Anum in its fashion, with a ridge around its edge of pearls? It will not boil the food of a coward, or one forsworn. A sword, blight flashing to him will be brought, and left in the hand of Flaminog. And before the portals of the cold place, the horns of light shall be burning. And when we went with Arthur in his splendid labors, except seven, none return from care Veduid. Am I not a candidate for fame to be heard in song? In the four-cornered, <laughs> in the four-cornered enclosure in the island of the strong door, where the twilight and the black of night moved together, bright wine was the beverage of the host. Three times the fullness of Pridwin we went on sea, except seven, none returned from care rigor. I will not allow praise to the lords of literature. Beyond care wider, they beheld not the prowess of Arthur. It was difficult to converse with their sentinel. Three times twenty hundred men stood on the wall. Three times the fullness of Pridwin, we went with Arthur, except seven. None returned from Caer Kohler. Praise, I will not allow praise to the men with trailing shields. They know not on what day or who caused it, or at what hour the splendid day Kui was born, or who prevented him from going to the dales of Devui. They know not the brindled ox with his thick headband, and seven score knobs in his collar. And when we went with Arthur of mournful memory, except seven, none returned from Kervandui. I will not allow men with to praise drooping courage. They know not on what day the chief arose, or at what hour the splendid day the owner was born, or what animal they keep of silver head. When we went with Arthur of mournful contention, except seven, none returned from Care Achrin. So each of these castles can be seen as a station on the soul's journey after death, with the final one being a, a place where reincarnation is possible. And the care is a castle? Yeah. Right. Yeah, thank you for clarifying. Okay. <laughs> Appreciate it. Now, the, um, so much to say. The spiral castle is pretty much agreed to be the migratory path of our essences, withershins whirling inward and then reversing in the center and moving back out again, sunwise into life, and then Widdershins back into the center and repeating. Moving backward, Widdershins. Yeah. Okay. So clearly Arthur was on a shamanic journey along with his company, three times the fill of the ship for Edwin. This suggests a group experience much like the ayahuasca rites 
of the shamans of the Putumayo as witnessed by Terence McKenna in South America. So there's this line, uh, complete was the prison of Guer in Ker City. Does that suggest that Guer is a shaman traveler trapped by the spite of Pwil and Praderi in the other world, unable to return to his physical vehicle? That's a shamanic danger. You know, if you travel out of body, you have to be sure you can get back in it. Uh, protections are helpful. Training is good. <laughs> um, and preparation. So as the limitless lake of energy, Ker Sithi is our true state of being. We, we dwell in timelessness with occasional sojourns into linear corporeal existence. Could it be that Amun, Anum is a way of living on the earth in a disembodied state? With no corporeal form, is there no more suffering? Okay. Did you want to interject something at that point? Um, there, there's also the thought, I'm, something just briefly to ask you, there's also the thought that we are connected to our bodies in a way that cannot be terminated until you, the soul, are ready to part from, from the physical form. Um, huh. The question has come up um, when you go on a past life regression or you travel the astral plane, won't you always come back to your physical body? And is there anything that would stop you from doing that if you have in your free will um, a choice to say, no, I will not go or I will not go with you, or I will not go away, I will come back to my physical being. Ramdas sees us on a clock, and we start out at midnight, and we go mm -hmm. all the way around the clock, and each segment of the clock is an incarnation, mm -hmm. and finally we get back to midnight again, and according to Ramdas, then we have the choice of whether we want to go around again <laughs> or stay in a non-corporeal state. It's a very, kind of like very yogic, yes. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. <sighs> Just a question to put out there. <laughs> okay, I don't think we need to talk about that. It's coming up later. All right. So you're going to go through the seven... What, what will happen... Um, in the next episode, when we go to the ritual, you will go through the seven cares. Is that correct? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Although we will not be reading the poem during the rite. That's fine. It's yes. good to have some familiarity with it beforehand. any rate, um, this idea of the spiral is really important, spiraling in and spiraling out. Yeah. Uh, in front of the doorway of Newgrange in Ireland, there is a broad slab carved with spirals. It's part of the stone hedge. Now you can take your finger and trace the spiral and it will lead you inward and then it will reverse and lead your finger outward. Oh, there we are. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so. It's a rattle, but it has the spiral of life yeah. connected to the heart. The pattern, the, the inward outward spiral it, it typifies the pattern of birth and death and rebirth. Or as my good friend Peter Freeman says, 
BRB, Born Reborn. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> In a nutshell. <laughs> so if Care City, this wonderful place that we've been talking about, is our lake of energy where we all go, the returning seven are seen in a new way, the seven who survived the voyage and came back. As human incarnation is an excursion, a rarity against the disembodied <laughs> eternity of Anum, then perhaps none of the others wanted to return. Perhaps they were at the top of that incarnation clock and chose to stay discorporeal. And I, I think that's important that not everyone reincarnates. Or so I see it at this point in time. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Now, the cauldron that's talked about in the poem is the cauldron of Kereadwin. And as we know from our researches into setting up that rite, the, imp- the appearance of the pearl-rimmed cauldron in Prayadu Anum indicates the importance and the dangers of the entheogenic brute, because that was apparently, to my way of thinking, what was in the cauldron. Kereadwen, uh, the goddess of? Well, a lot of things. <laughs> in this regard, you're calling on her for her cauldron and for the calling forth of life? Yes. Cariadwin's cauldron was this mythical, and I don't mean untrue, but mythical right. <laughs> yes. cauldron yes. in which a hero There's could immerse him or herself yes. and be uh, freed of all pain and healed of all wounds, and in fact being brought back from the very brink of the dark door. Yes. Cariadwin's cauldron. Yes. Interestingly, my friend Dr. Gerald Moore says that he sees this as uh, basically a hot pool, the cauldron of Cariadwin, into which were thrown a whole bunch of healing herbs. Hmm. And I kind of like that. Of course, there's magic involved as well. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's interesting to note that if you have any pains, I've, I've experienced this and talked to other people who have. If you have any pains and difficulties in this lifetime, once you travel on a journey to another lifetime, you won't have those pains for, the, for at least the duration of that past life regression. Those pains might submerge. You might feel, and it's quite possible, just a pulse a pulse of what is going on for the person whose eyes you're looking through um, in that in that past life, but um, your own. It's really interesting to note your own issues will not emerge unless they are together, unless you carry that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hadn't thought about that. It's a that. way to let go of issues in this lifetime. Carrying so on. Much. <laughs> so, so much. So <laughs> much. Now, we often, we often pick God and goddess forms when we do our rites. And it's a way of humanizing forces that may be beyond the comprehension of yes. us as mere humans. So... Uh, it, it isn't to say that these are the gods, although you can if you so desire. 
it's more accurate to say that these are manifestations of the divine force that we choose to inspirit and thereby get ourselves closer to this divine force, say yay. Yay. Yeah. So in our right, we're going to invoke uh, Arianrod and Gwydion. And we'll have them dwell among us in a sphere of gold, which we will create and in spirit. And we will have them guide us as we go through this rite, or at least protect us as we go through this rite. Now, Rayenrod is known by a variety of names. Uh, Rhiannon, Arian, Aradia, Aradni, and Cariadwin. Those all cognate, they all fit together. And I, I find it fascinating that these goddess and god forms recur across cultures and across great distances. That's a subject for another time. <laughs> <laughs> Many subjects. <laughs> oh. Okay. Now, Arinorod, as, as I say, is called Ariadne by the Greeks. It is she who aids Theseus through the labyrinth and in the slaying of the labyrinth's bullheaded monster of the double axe, as Robert Graves names him. Hmm. Now, the tale of uh, Theseus sounds like an allegory of the journey to the other world of Anu. There's, see, there's kind of a crossover there. The labyrinthine excursions echo the Celtic spiral path between this life and the other, in and out of Caer City. Ariadne and Cariadwin are both helpmates to the uh, traveling soul, in this case, Theseus. Theseus, who's yeah. so he's the human traveling with yeah. the god, the lord and the lady, the god and the goddess. And allegorically going through the other world. Yes. In the ancient world, there, were a lot, there was a lot of trading going on. Mm. And traders would carry their cultures with them and share yes. the tales. And I think that that's the source of all of this crossover. But I think it also speaks, whoa, stay, big fella. It also <laughs> speaks uh, eloquently of the fact that we as human beings are hardwired yeah. for a series of religious experiences that uh, we're drawn to and that uh, happen for us during our lifetimes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. Now, as as. Rianrod, she is also called Silver Wheel, and a reference here is to the cycle of birth, death, and rebirth. So we could say that Rianrod is like the the best source of past life knowledge. The Silver Wheel also harkens to the Wheel of Stars, the Ring of Stars that the Celts call the Northern Crown. It's her spiral castle and her diadem, and she is often depicted thus adorned for she is the queen of stars. Now, Gwydion, I like Gwydion a lot. He's the premier enchanter of Welsh myth. He's the wizard god. He has power over the earth and the skies. He is the essential shapeshifter, the father of, with Orionrod, of Lula Gifts. And his, his tale is in Arlamas Rite, which uh, you can access if you contact me. So, to circumvent Agessa laid upon Lou by his mother, 
Gwydion uses his magic to create for him a woman, a, a woman of flowers named Blodoweth to be his wife. Now, Gwydion knows all there is to know about the craft, the seasons, and times. He knows the very number of the winds and the dimensions of the earth. Yeah. Now, Gwydion also cognates with Hugh Gadarn, who is another great Celtic god for him. You see, it, it all sort of merges together there. Now, together, and this is important, Arianrod and Gwydion are the balance, the intuitive and the logical, lunar and solar, the keeper yes. of Anum and its plunderer. The anima and animas, the masculine and feminine perspective that we each carry with us. Ideally. <laughs> greater or lesser well, degrees. Yeah. I was yeah. <laughs> uh, we find our own balance. <laughs> that bit by Taliesin that we read at the beginning, my chair is in Karasithi where no one is afflicted with age or illness. Uh, Taliesin, it's a lovely bit of corroboration from the shaman bard of Britain. It illuminates the cosmology that we're talking about here. By saying his chair is in Karasithi, he implies that this timeless place is his home. And natural state of being, and thus in a non-corporeal state, he's in timelessness. Leaves us free to, f to, to be freed from afflictions. So... Okay, this incarnation is not our natural state. Timelessness is our natural state. And we can access this state, ideally, uh, at will. Now, we are the unlimited essence of life. Yes, or it, it, as some Celtic writers say, the circle of life. Circle We're of on life. the wheel, which is an interesting thing to wrap one's mind around. Uh, now, in the poem, he also talks about three circles of fire and William G. Gray uh, praise his name uh, delineated this fairly accurately in uh, his book uh, A Look on Our Inner Western Way now he saw this triple circle of protection as three concentric spheres of red light and the way that works is it's uh, starting in the north and going around the circle and then that forms a kind of circle and half of that is a hoop and that hoop will then go over the top underneath and around back to form a sphere and the same thing is repeated east to west and above and below and each of these spheres is concentric they fit one inside the other it's all a visualization of course and uh it's a way of protecting oneself now i wanted to mention <laughs> so this is part of the protection it is right. now working magic as my teacher says lights you up on the astral like a neon sign <laughs> uh and you want to be as protected as possible uh casting circle calling quarters uh, wearing amulets, many etc., are all ways of uh, enhancing this protective energy that you would have around you. Now, make no mistake, this is <laughs> this right and is chanting. 
it's, also. Yeah, yeah. But I, I want to say that this right is one of the two most serious rights that we do. The one that yes. most approaches real magic. And <laughs> uh, I hope that you can uh, get a lot out of it, but I also caution you to treat it with respect. Say yay. Yay. Now it's also mentioned in the poem that there's a fruitful fountain. And this implies to me that the, the, that which is sweeter than any wine is the knowledge of past lives because that will guide you, thank you very much Inanna, <laughs> to a degree in this life. It's interesting to go into this rite with a question in your mind or uh, that relates to something currently going on in your life that uh, <laughs> you might get an answer for from one of your past or maybe even future selves. Yeah. That's true, too. It isn't going into a past life regression might become a future life that you're projecting into. Yeah. Mm. Some people get confused. It's like, but that doesn't seem like the pa any past I've heard of. It might well be a future self. But then we also live in a circle. Yeah, that's one way to look at it. There are, there are days when I can uh, envision that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and other days when it's, it's a little bit beyond me. It's, yeah. <laughs> now, the, the trans part of the right uh, has seven sections. The first one is yogic relaxation. And uh, when we're doing this on the hill under the stars at night, and ideally under the moon as well, we'll lie down on a prayer rug or a mat or a sleeping bag or something to insulate us from the ground with our heads in the center of the circle. It's arranged in kind of a spoked wheel. And We'll do this yogic relaxation where we'll, we'll tense muscle groups, starting with our feet and then moving on up to our hands and brows and jaws and finally releasing the energy out the tops of our heads as a way of just sort of loosening up, getting the energy centers aligned mm -hmm. and moving forward. It's that kundalini spiral that's within you from your root chakra spiraling all the way up and through the crown. Yeah. Now, I would point out, never clench your chest. <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> Everything else can be clenched, but don't please cr open clench your, your chest. Open your heart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the second part is basically setting the scene, and I will uh, guide you back through the sonorous, if somewhat monotonous, sound of my voice. <laughs> Say yay. <laughs> Nay. <laughs> That's Nay. a lovely voice. <laughs> there will be chanting in this rite that you can join in with, especially if you print out the rite beforehand. Um, and again, that grounds and centers you in many ways. So oh, that's a wonderful yeah. point. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, chanting's important. It, it gets everybody vibrating in the same way. Yes. So it's a bonding experience. And then Truly. there's a visualization that comes with the chant that also helps. And as you say, it's very grounding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
So and centers you in your in the masculine, feminine, the whole spectrum of you. So that's why that's why yogis um, have a sense of, among among the things that yogis would say about chanting. That would be one. Yeah, it, it clears you and opens you and prepares you. So, yeah, yeah. ideally. Yes. So the third step is the actual visualization of the uh, triple sphere of protection that we talked about. So after you're stretched and at peace with your body uh, and the scene has been set, you set up the protections. And then after that, the fourth step is the rising of the light body. This involves separating your light body from your physical body. And there are detailed instructions on how to do this in the second part of this podcast. Good. Yeah. Uh, then there's the ascension. Your body flows down a long hallway, and as you walk, you grow ever younger. Yes. And finally, you get back to a zero point where you are pure spirit, completely etheric, and as removed as possible from the physical self. All that remains is a certain awareness uh, that you yes. are also a physical body in a physical realm, but you are also all of these other people that you have been before. And then when you emerge from the hallway, you find yourself in a dome chamber that's all around doors. And you, you summon the record keeper. And the record keeper, uh, it's always good to test the record keeper. Ask him a question or her a question or it a question, depending. Uh, I had an otter one time. That was fun. <laughs> and uh, uh, that qualifies them as being a legitimate record keeper who can take you to a past life that will mm -hmm. suit you. Now, this being will point you to a door. And then the seventh step, you go through the door, and when you are through the door, you will be in one of your previous incarnations. Say yay. Yay. Okay. And just for a moment to say, um, many people already know that in rites like this, you're looking for your white light protection. That's what this would be. Yeah, the white light protection that allows it's one it's one more protection, and you walk through the doorway and into the experience. So, yay! Having, your gatekeeper there helps you. Yeah. That. Yeah. Uh, just as an aside, Britain has been called the island of the strong door, hmm. and I believe that that sh that strong door has shamanic implications, and that being able to walk through this strong door is uh, one of the gifts of the shaman, where the shaman would go to bring back healing knowledge or uh, insight or whatever was required. Yeah. Yes. Now, I'll just briefly yay. go through. <laughs> Thank you. Yay, I got a yay. Okay, so a, a, a couple words on preparing for the right. Yes. This is helpful. And again, I, I uh, encourage you to go to the site download the right and read it on paper because um, 
That way it echoes in your own mind. You can pause and rephrase things in your own words, and it'll make a lot more sense. So as I was saying... So we are preparing for the ritual. This is a a rite of serious magical intent. So uh, not something to be taken lightly, but something hopefully that will open one's mind to uh, new possibilities. So let's agree to all do the following, if possible, on the day of the rite. Uh, A ritual bath with hyssop oil. This is always nice. Dressing magically from the skin out. And be prepared to leave as much of the mundane world behind as possible. Put down your phone, please. Now, this is a point of power, so <laughs> it's, it's kind of important. Now, if you're going to be doing this outside from the printed version, uh, that's well and good. Uh, but be comfortable. Don't go out to a freezing place and freeze. You have to be warm enough to think magically. Uh, bring something to lie upon because you will be supine for the uh, work of the right. Supine is good. You can leave the body parked there. It'll be fine. Also, I would advise fetching along an offering like this apple for the spirits of the place that you're doing your work. Uh, (laughs) When we're doing our work on the hill, we leave apples by the haunted corner, which is a story in and of itself. But in and uh, uh, by and by, there's always uh, someone who takes those apples, some horse or beaver or some hungry predator, and it gets et. Uh, also, And that is spirit receiving your offering. <laughs> ideally, yes. And then the last <laughs> thing is uh, some fasting and yoga will help if that works yes. for you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, I think we can stop there. All right. All right. Excellent. So you feel <laughs> we're starting to celebrate now. <laughs> um, so you feel that people are now prepared for doing the right but I would also say that if you um, are not certain about about some things or you've had experiences that are difficult or you're just troubled to some extent about performing a right on your own um, I would say uh, do not do any right any ritual until you feel very comfortable with it. You're welcome during this next podcast when the Alban Elvid Rite is performed to join right in, or it will be up in Podbean and on iTunes and on YouTube, and you can listen to it, um, go back and read the rite, think about it, feel your way through it, and experience it any time that you wish. This is what I thought would, was an exciting thing, that uh, any time you can come back to it also. You might um, do it one time, but you might want to come back to it and try it again. And, of course, the more comfortable you become with anything, the more you will experience. Um, I want to say, so the rite will be um, on my website, that's inanamoon.com, um, and there will be a link on it on Podbean 
to my website, but also you should be able to find it on um, Merlin's Celestial website. And what is what is that that link? Uh, celestialorder.org. Celestialorder.org. Yes. Okay. No space. One word. All right. All right. Um, and you don't mind if people uh, connect to you um, through email? I would prefer that. I like that. All right. Yes. All right. And through my, okay, and so your email address is? Hi, my email address <laughs> is Merlin9 at yahoo.com. And the trick spelling is M-Y-R-R-H-L-Y-N, number nine, at yahoo.com. Myrrh being a fragrant herb oh, and yes. Lynn being a small brook. So think yes. fragrant brook. And that email address will be on the Podbean site for this episode as well. Um, I have just one brief announcement. Um, upcoming on September 22nd is an all-day event called Luminescence Festival LA. Um, it will have workshops on yoga, healing, there will be music, arts, there will be a sound bath. Um, I personally will be offering um, individual sessions for people during the day, intuitive sessions and channeling sessions. And then later in that day, I will also be um, doing a mediumship demonstration and um, just answering questions basically on what it means to channel and what it means to, to um, present mediumship. Um, so please join us. The, the event is from, let me see, yes, 9 a.m., 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Again, on Sunday, September 22nd, there are tickets available on Eventbrite. Um, and this, too, will be on my website as well. All right. Um, just to close for the day, again, I want to thank you, Merlin, and see you next time. Uh, thanks to Paul Preston, our podcast technician, to Allison Warner for her social media guidance, and to Kevin McLeod for his wonderful music. Keep cruising through your light and your shadows, and blessed be. Thank you.